Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So on today's episode, I want to talk to you about various total knees. And there's a lot to talk about. And more importantly, I don't want you to come away from this episode trying to memorize a number of steps. I think it's important to know some steps in how you would address a varus knee. But I think what's more important is to look at and understand you know, the varus knee and what is the deformity like in a particular patient. Like you always hear me talk about the personality of the knee. You really have to know that not all varus knees are the same. There's a lot of difference in variation. So when you look at a varus knee, um, the first thing that I look for is whether or not the deformity is fixed or correctable, because that's two very different knees in my hands. You know, a knee that's in fixed varus, to me, indicates that the deformity is fixed. In that person, I'm going to have to do something to release or open up to get the knee back to neutral. Whereas somebody who is in varus, but correctable back to neutral, that person, it's just a matter really of filling the gap. So again, two totally different knees. And if you take the correctable knee and do a big aggressive release because the patient's in varus, you may be left with a overly loose medial side. The next thing really is assessing, you know, is there a lot of bone loss? Because if I'm looking at a varus knee and it's just cartilage wear, uh, that can be very different from someone that is in severe varus and now has eroded into the medial plateau. You know, do I need an augment? You know, am I going to have to stem the tibia? Can I get away with just resecting the normal bone on the lateral side? Will I be left with a small contained defect that I can just fill with cement? And then if it's really deep, you know, is it getting into the insertion of the MCL? Now, the other things you have to think about too is, you know, what is the varus deformity like throughout the entire arc of motion? You know, is there a tight capsule? Is the PES tight? You know, how tight is the MCL? And also remember, you know, the PCL is a component also on that side. You know, it can be uh, restraint with posterior translation, but it could also play in. So if you're doing a cruciate retaining knee with a varus deformity, you have to keep the PCL intact or in mind. And then also LCL laxity. And again, this is a very late issue, but in severe varus, somebody may have attenuated out that lateral side. So the question is, okay, how are we going to address that? Now, lastly, even when I'm looking at x-rays, you know, and, and the patient's overall alignment, is the knee in varus or do they have tibia varum? You know, were they born that way? Or maybe did they have an old fracture? And now we're doing the total knee for post-traumatic arthritis. Is the retained hardware? Do they have a prior osteotomy and an HTO? Do they now have a subsequent patella baja that's going to affect the approach and the exposure? So all of those, again, it's, you know, you kind of look, oh, is it a neutral knee, varus knee, valgus knee? But, you know, I'm thinking varus knee and all of those things are going through my head, you know, fixed or correctable. Is there a lot of bone loss? You know, what other structures might be tight? Is it severe varus? Is there bone loss? Is there lateral laxity? Have they hi- had prior surgery? And also the extent of the osteophytes. Because if somebody has large, large proliferative osteophytes medially, even though they may be fixed in varus. You may not have to do a big medial release because 
simply by removing the medial osteophytes, you may open up that medial side. So the goal overall is to release the medial side to make it equal to the lateral side. And that, you know, again, is if you believe that you want a nice rectangular flexion gap and and a rectangular extension gap. You know, some people look for equal. You know, I've always, you know, felt and believed and I try to leave my lateral side just a little bit looser, you know, than my medial side. Um, But you have to kind of know, you know, what the goal is. So, you know, for me, again, um, and, and you can go back and listen to the whole first season where I really walk through step by step, you know, the approaches and releases. But if we're talking about, you know, a varus knee in particular, when I'm doing, you know, my releases, I'm releasing off that medial side. I always talk about, you know, once you make your arthrotomy on the tibia, and I use the bovi, I don't use the, the knife at that point, it's one pass you know, through the anterior horn, medial meniscus, and straight down on the tibia. And you shouldn't make that vertical pass ever again. Otherwise, you're at risk of making railroad tracks. And then using your pickups or grasper to push or a rake to pull, pulling that medial sleeve and trying to create a nice isosceles triangle because you want to open up the front so you're not at risk of tearing the tissue distally. But also you want to open up that front so you allow the placement of a tibial cutting guide. And then that's where I always say that's where the medial release begins because you have to basically open that up for everybody. Even if I don't do any medial release at all for a a valgus knee, um, I'm still making that opened triangle. And then, you know, the question is, do I release a little bit? I'm, I'm a believer and I'm a minimal releaser. Because again, one, trying to maintain the normal integrity of a patient's ligament, soft tissue, and kinematics, but you can always release more. So if you aggressively release a knee, and again, let's say they have big osteophytes and are correctable, and you see their x-rays are varus, and you do a huge release, and then take off the osteophytes, now they're going to be wickedly loose medially, and you're going to have to fix and address that. So for me, most of my valgus knees, the release beyond that anterior triangle is essentially like the width of a bovie. It is just enough that I'm going to be able to get a soft tissue protector around the medial side to protect the MCL when I make my tibia cut. Because a lot of times they've stretched and attenuated the medial side. Um, Now for my varus knee, where there's not a severe deformity, you know, usually it's about the width of a Z retractor um, or maybe like the width of a cob. And again, if I'm tight at any point, I can always release more. Now, the trick in this position is having the knee in slight flexion and in slight varus, and then you can externally rotate the foot. And that can really open up that medial side. I just use regular Homan back there. And then you can decide, okay, do I have to keep going? You know, Do I have to release the MCL? Do I have to release distally the deep MCL for a severe varus deformity? Do I have to go around the back and release the semimembranosis? And, you know, how much of the pes am I taking off in the front? So all of these, again, are unique to the patient based on the structures that are tight, based on where they are in varus and where they're stiff and where they're correctable and where they're not correctable. So if you kind of do all those things, then you can make an assessment, you know, once you've gone through the rest of your total knee to decide, okay, what is my balancing like in flexion and what is my balancing like in extension? And then what else, you know, do I have to release? So if you're doing a cruciate retaining knee, and me, again, I came from Philly where we were PS, you know, CR was the devil. 
I went to the West Coast where everything was CR. Um, and although in the beginning of my a career, you know, I definitely erred on, you know, bad flexion and contracture, bad varus, you know, kind of PS from the get-go. And, and now I predominantly get away with cruciate retaining for most knees. Um, so, but if you're doing a CR knee, you have to be ready to balance the PCL. So you can take the PCL if it's a structure that is tight in flexion. Um, and there's a lot of ways, again, and I talked about this in other videos uh, or, or episodes on you know how we're looking at the balancing, and you can go back um, and listen to the whole balancing episode. But anytime that you're going to see tightness in flexion, again, you're, you have to assess what was the patient's normal rollback and contact position you know, are they pivoting, rotating? Is the PCL excessively tight? Do they lack flexion? Are they getting anterior lift off of the poly? So all of those things you're sort of looking for. And if you decide, okay, the PCL is tight, you know, I always talk about even which bundles um, and really decide, you know, which bundle is tight because they only may be tight at certain points in flexion. So you don't want to release the whole PCL. And although some people release it off the femur, I tend to release first predominantly off of the tibia. It's a bigger, broader expansion. Um, and then one of the other and more common tricks that I use if the PCL is subtly tight is to use an 18 gauge needle and just do a little pie crusting of the PCL. One of the other techniques, which is nice to know if the PCL is fairly tight is you can make a little osteotomy with a small quarter inch osteotome in front of the PCL, which allows the PCL to lay a little flatter. Sometimes there's osteophyte that's hiding there that you can't see otherwise. And by taking out that bone, that helps the PCL lay down. And there are a lot of docs out there that just sacrifice the PCL even routinely, you know, and go to a dish or medial congruent or some sort of stabilized. And then always as a backup, you know, have your, uh, your PS as a backup, you know, because by releasing the PCL, you're going to open up that flexion gap. So you just want to make sure though, now that your flexion gap is not too excessively loose because then you may have to go back and recut the distal femur and redo your chamfers to balance the knee inflection and extension. But this comes down to when you're tight, how tight are you? Is it a little tight? Can you get away with pie crusting? You know, is it a little tight, but maybe you can get away with some pie crusting and maybe some bony releases or soft tissue releases? Um, is it a little tight? Maybe you have to do a little, um, added posterior slope, you know, is it a little bit more tight than that? You know, do I have to downsize? Is it really tight? Do I have to go PS and release that PCL completely? So each of those steps really depends on the extent and amount of the tightness that you encounter. Um, now other options, um, again, we talked about, you know, releasing all the different options, you know, MCL, how do you go superficial? Um, do you go deep? you have to get all the way around the back and release the semimembranosus? And I find that's very common with a lot of these bad varus knees for a number of reasons, um, just because they usually, if they're severe varus, they usually also have a flexion contracture. And a lot of times that structure is tight. So if you don't get all the way around the back, um, a lot of times you won't fully be able to correct their flexion contracture deformity. Uh, and that, I think, really affects their kinematics. Also, a lot of times in these big varus knees, a lot of times there's a, a large medial and posterior medial osteophyte. So again, if it's there and you're still tight in flexion, um, or you still have a little bit of a flexion contracture, make sure you expose around the back and take off the osteophytes. It's great to do once you've trialed and you know where the tibial base plate is going to be sitting. And then you decide, oh, those are all osteophytes and they're tight. So let's take them off. Because sometimes if you have very, very large osteophytes, maybe do not 
you're not required to do a large medial release because the deformity wasn't terrible. By releasing the osteophytes, you have now balanced that medial side. I sometimes do not always take off all the osteophytes flush with the tibial component. Why? Because now you're loose. And then if you try to upsize your poly to fix that medial side, you're now too tight, no, either an extension or too tight laterally. And then you wind up doing this chasing back and forth of medial lateral. So large, large osteophytes, sometimes I'll leave them a little bit and just bevel them and smooth them out if the knee is well balanced, because I've taken off maybe 80% of the osteophyte, but taking off 100% of it would leave that medial side loose. So again, you always have to be aware of, is it fixed or correctable, and how large are the osteophytes before you just go aggressively releasing the medial side. Now, what if the medial side's really, really tight, these bad varus knees? You know, one of the little tricks that you should have in your bag is downsizing the tibia, so you shift the whole thing lateral, and then you could take the saw and you can saw off that medial eminence. It takes all the tension off the medial structures and allows you to get the knee straight um, and balances that medial side. So that's a nice trick to use. Now, there's some people that will advocate pie crusting the MCL and the medial structures. I'm not a huge proponent of that. I don't believe in that only because, you know, if I pie crust the MCL aggressively to get the medial side balanced, I don't have any good way or guarantee that that laxity will not continue to progress. And now in a year, now I've you know got a patient who's got a loose medial side. So I'm not a huge fan of pie crusting the MCL. I believe it's too important of a structure. Um, where with a PCL, I can pie crust it. And you know if I just put a, a, a CS or dish or some type of anteroposterior extra stabilized device, you know, I know if they do develop a little bit of laxity over time, then the poly should help that. Uh, there are some people... Uh, that we'll talk about doing a medial epicondyle osteotomy. So if you're really, really tight, you know, releasing it off the medial epicondyle to allow you to balance it and restore that. And some people even talk about advancing the lateral side. Like if you've balanced the the medial side, but the lateral is still really loose and lax, you can actually advance um, the lateral side. And I haven't done that. I'm not a, a big proponent of that. I find other ways to balance it. But also be prepared because, you know, there's, there's some varus knees that can get um, tricky and can fool you. And you even hear about a lot of like non-arthroplasty, you know, especially in the sports world. Oh, like I'll, I'll do a varus knee, but I won't do a valgus knee because it's hard. Varus knees can get hard and difficult, especially ones with a bad deformity. And I've even, you know, been tricked sometimes in thinking, hey, this is just a straightforward varus knee. And we get in there and the balancing gets really difficult. So you have to have implants available for backup. You know, if you have to go PS, they got to be there. You know, if you have a bad, bad varus deformity, like a bad fixed varus deformity, especially if there's tibial bone loss, you know, you got to be prepared that as you do your bony resections, you know, you may need revision style implants, you know, with a medial augment or a stem or even going up to some type of constrained poly, you know, if you have to do a lot of releases to get the limb well aligned. And, you know, and then also the question is, you know, what is your goal? You have to have appropriate goals. You know, should, should you leave some of these really bad varus knees and, you know, the so-called gentleman's varus? How do you do that? Do you use robotics? Do you use navigation? Um, do you just use, um, you know, landmarks, saw cuts, you know, more artful ways of doing it? So you have to have a goal of what you're aiming for. But again, I think it all comes down to how the knee feels in the hand. It has to balance well. It has to be kinematically appropriate in your hands once you're done. But all of these are things to think about 
as well as tips on how you would get to your end result, you know, be it what it may. Um, now, there's some other um, further reading that I would recommend. Um, the uh, the older uh, master techniques, so the chapter may be a little different, but the older masters of techniques for knee arthroplasty by Lotke and Lahner, um, chapter seven uh, by Dr. Scuderi and Inzal is a great um, chapter to go back and read about tips and tricks on the varus knee. The uh, Advanced Reconstruction of the Knee by the AAOS, um, that was put together by uh, Lieberman Berry. Uh, there's chapter 27, which talks about the, the varus knee by Windsor and Choi. Uh, and then there's also a good uh, yellow uh, journal article uh, by Dr. Milhalko um, that, again, addresses all of these things and has some good pictures that goes along with it. So I'd really encourage you to kind of look at those, and I'll put those um, in the show notes so you can check that out. But again really scrutinize each varus knee as unique in and of itself, that it's not just a varus knee because it's a varus knee. You know, really, really think about, is it fixed? Is it correctable? Are there large osteophytes? Are there um, significant amounts of bone loss on the medial tibial plateau? You know, as you get in there, assess this, the cruciate, if you're doing cruciate retaining, and then know these different ways of, you know, do you release a little? Do you release a lot? How much do you release in the beginning? And then extend your release as you go through the case based on the stability uh, that you find and the balancing that you find. But have these other little tricks and tips such as like a medial eminence release and downsizing the tibia should you develop a lot of issues with a very, very tight medial structure and have ways to approach the PCL and release it if the PCL itself is a portion of the issue that's leading to your tight varus knee, as well as that deep posterior release of the semimembranosis. So keep reading, uh, keep studying, keep learning, keep listening, and then I will talk to you next time, and we'll cover some more of these topics. We'll probably uh, look at the uh, the valgus knee and talk about some things to look for and tips and tricks on how to treat the valgus total knee in an upcoming episode. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I'm Adam Rosen. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.